passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. It is Monday night, June the 12th of 2023. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting. The fun never ends here at Post Wrestling. Are you ready for another week, Mr. Ting? I am ready. Good to go. Let's All do right. it. You are representing the pandas tonight. It was very conscientious, conscientious of you. Look at that. That's for all the video viewers out there. Yeah. Did you have a nice weekend? Relaxing weekend? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, finally, like, able to take a step outside and take a breather after a um, weird week, I would say, where we after are. After not being able to take a breath over the last yes. week outside. Yes. It's cleared up significantly. I can go walk. I don't, maybe I'm just used to it now. It's somebody just, else's just, problem now. You know, it's, 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 it's over out in the West. Like, we, you know, it's, you guys deal with it. You know, it's not our issue anymore. So. It is the, the unofficial slogan of Canada. How does it affect me? <laughs> the world are you kidding me no but uh no so. if anybody's dealing with this this sort of thing anywhere hey man like I, I feel your pain it was awful not being able to go out for a whole week yeah it's um i guess we are we are through the uh the worst of it until something comes back but very um yeah we, we got a lot of blame for this all this uh you know climate change and such it was all our fault yeah the small canada. canada sure yeah, the New York New York Post uh, didn't take it easy on us. I went to Canada's Wonderland over the weekend. How was that? It was pretty fun. We had a good time. We went on Friday and got there early because if you have a season's pass, there's an hour that you can go on a bunch of rides before everyone else has access to them. So we set out and it was raining. I was like, okay, well, maybe the rain will clear up. It eventually did, but we're there in the rain. And I mean, myself and my wife, we're not going on adult rides. We're there to take our kids on rides. So the grand total of rides that were open for kids was four rides that we were here an hour earlier in the rain to go on. Mm. But it ended up clearing out. It actually turned into a really nice day. And in the um, years that I've gone to Wonderland, I've never been there when it has been as empty as it was this past Friday. Absolutely like no lineups. And I have gone during like weird times of the year as well. I've never experienced this before. So the weather must have scared a lot of people off. It was also a random Friday. So there you go. That That's my tip for people. When I get asked about, hey, what should I do in Toronto? That's my tip for you. If you want to go to Wonderland, if you've never been, you don't have to go to Wonderland. It's not going to change your world, but that's the time to go. Go when it's raining, basically. Go when it's raining. You'll have a wonderful time out in the rain okay. all day long. That's what rain jackets are for. It's what umbrellas 
game four. So I went on a bunch of kids roller coasters and many, many times because they go on a ride and they just want to go on it over and over and over again. That's mm. how it works. It, it was, did you have a favorite? Well, by default, I guess it was the ghoster coaster. Wait, you ever go on the ghoster coaster? You know, I, I can't say I have. I've have only you ever gone on a ghoster coaster empty where it's just you and, uh, and your child and the entire place is empty. That's the time to go on the ghoster coaster. Okay. okay. Moving on. <laughs> We have I've been to Wonderland like once, I think. That's it? You've gone yeah. once? I'm not a roller coaster dude at all. No. I would hate to know the number of I used to work at Wonderland, so there was a summer that I went there like a hundred times. It was mm. a it was a very, very long, arduous summer where that's a, that's a long trip. It's a really long trip to get there. Yeah. And in my department, there were about a hundred or so of us. By the end of the summer, four of us were still there. Four of us made it from the beginning of the season to the end of the season. That's And that's not um, firings. That's people, <laughs> I do not want to do this anymore. It's a very arduous job. That was, um, yeah, yeah, I experienced everything. I got burnt by cigarettes. Got a call once from somebody who was in the parking lot and was lost. Couldn't find the park from the parking lot. You, you go through, you, you truly, truly learn the entire circumference of humanity. When you work in a place like that, we have uh, used up our yearly quotient of Wonderland talk. So we are moving on way. It is a packed week at post wrestling. We have a lot coming up later on this week. First of all, I want to talk about the post wrestling cafe Four shows coming your way uh, where we are going to be doing the double shot on Wednesday night immediately after rewind to dynamite chatting about the latest episode of dark side of the ring, which will focus on the Graham family, which is a very intriguing uh, episode. I've not seen it yet, but I'm looking forward to this one. Thursday, it is rewind away time, and we are going back to June of 2011. On the night before CM Punk's infamous pipe bomb, there was a pay-per-view at the Hammerstein Ballroom as Davy Richards challenged Eddie Edwards for the ROH Championship, and this also featured the return of Kevin Steen after losing his mask versus career match to El Generico. So a lot of uh, Steen and Zayn involvement. And this is the first major show after the sale to Sinclair Broadcasting. So we'll, this is certainly a pivotal moment in ROH history in 2011. And the best part about watching this uh, Go Fight Live pay-per-view is not having to watch it on Go Fight Live, as I probably did in 2011 and was probably ready to throw my laptop off my balcony when I was. Because Go Fight Live, there was nothing live. Oh, go fight live and nothing seamless about that stream either. But we will go back to 2011 chatting about that. Friday is Rewind to SmackDown with Way and I. And then on Saturday, it is the launch of a brand new show on the Post Wrestling Cafe. It will be a review of Collision. And on Wednesday night, we will introduce the two hosts of the Collision Review that will be with you each and every weekend to chat about AEW's latest two hours of programming. So a lot of great stuff coming up this week on the Post Wrestling Cafe. You can join at postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com if you want to see these new hosts. Yeah, absolutely. Um, terribly excited for this. Uh, and it's coming at a really busy time for us over here in Toronto, especially. So you'll be uh, uh, you'll be joining the two of them, I take it, on Saturday for this for first week edition, one. Right? For week one, I will be on the show with our two new hosts, and mm-hmm. then they will be taking it from there on uh, 
Uh, the show will be dropping Sundays on the Post Wrestling Cafe. So look out for that, and we will introduce you to all of them on Wednesday. But Wednesday is going to be a very busy day. We've got Rewinded Dynamite. We have the double shot. And, and, and Pollock and Thurston will have a very special show coming up on Wednesday afternoon, 1 p.m. Eastern time. And myself and Brandon will be joined by AEW president Tony Khan. So that is coming up this coming Wednesday on Pollock and Thurston. So look out for that as we will be talking about Forbidden Door, uh, a lot of focus on the launch of Collision, CM Punk. We will be uh, talking about many, many subjects with Tony Khan. So look out for that with uh, Brandon and I coming up this Wednesday, and that will be available on both the post wrestling and WrestleNomics feeds uh, after the fact. Didn't even have time to build up to the huge announcement. But no, no, we were going to cut to me backstage and I was going to announce it. We didn't even uh, ha- have that all uh, queued up. And while we're on the interview front, uh, Brandon Davey over at Poison Rana, they have a hour plus interview with Mercedes Martinez that you can go check out now. It is up on the Post YouTube channel and on the Poison Rana podcast feed. She's going to be part of the Smash Wrestling Femme Fatales card, Girls Next Door, that is happening the same day as Forbidden Door, just down the street at the rec room. At 11.30 a.m., she's taking on Masha Slamovich. But this interview was like a career retrospective and somebody that can juxtapose the current state of women's wrestling to when she broke in uh, to the industry as well. So a great chat that Braden and Davey had. And the whole hour-long interview can be found at youtube.com slash postwrestling or on the Poison Rana podcast feed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just on the WrestleNomics front, uh, if you listened to the show this past weekend, they are going to be doing some changes. The, we'll be moving Wrestle Brandon will be moving WrestleNomics Radio to the WrestleNomics Patreon. The Pollock and Thurston show will continue to exist on the WrestleNomics feed. I believe once a month they'll have an edition of WrestleNomics Radio also on the free feed. But uh, do tune into this week's edition of WrestleNomics for all the de- details there and uh, in the subsequent subsequent weeks as we. Uh, um, have enjoy our final month, uh, I, I would say, of WrestleNomics Radio on the post feed. Yes, but we'll be continuing weekly with uh, Pollock and Thurston. So uh, plenty of uh, Brandon Thurston and WrestleNomics to be found here at Post Wrestling. And you can get the whole schedule for the week. There's a lot of shows coming up this week. Wellness Policy, the NWA Podcast, WrestleNomics, all of it can be found postwrestling.com. Check out the entire schedule coming up this week. And uh, I want to give a big thank you to all of the people that have bought tickets so far for the Forbidden Poor that is coming up Sunday, June 25th. Uh, we, we have moved a lot of tickets for this. So I'm looking forward to meeting a lot of you on Sunday, June 25th at the Real Sports Bar, 15 York Street, right across the street from the Scotiabank Arena, the day of Forbidden Door. You can show up. Doors open at 3. We're going to be doing a live Ask Away session, uh, taking your questions live and in person. And who knows who else will be joining us uh, potentially the whole post-wrestling universe coming to real sports that day. And then as soon as Forbidden Door is over, you can race back in and join us for the after party as we will be going into the, uh, well, not too late, but into the wee hours. Uh, as after. late as we're able to. They have pretty Certainly. much told us if if people are enjoying themselves, we're going to keep going. So the, the night is up to you, everyone. So come join us. We're looking forward to it. The Forbidden Poor coming up on June the 25th. Tickets postwrestling.com slash live $30 gets you a ticket to both the pre-show Q and a and hangout session with us and the after party. So that will take care of you for the entire day, or you can buy just an individual ticket for the after party uh, after forbidden door. So this pay-per-view, we only know two matches for it way, but it just feels as though it's, it's starting to build with a ton of momentum behind those two matches. And 
you know, you know that this is going to be a very strong card, but just with these two matches alone, it feels as though this is going to be, I mean, th- th- this could be a, a true classic uh, show at this point with a crowd that you would imagine is going to be among the hotter ones you have seen. I think the undercard could be like bad. And I think we would still feel very excited for the show. And and that's just a testament to how strong these first two announced matches are. Um, as long as they deliver those two, honestly, you know, they, they don't have to do much else to satisfy. I think a lot of people, how, how much time do you see those two matches getting themselves? Like mm. you see each getting 30. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm wondering like how how deep this card goes, just match number wise. When I don't think anyone will feel shortchanged given these two matches having as much time as they need. And Mm -hmm. again, that's without knowing an AEW title match and other key players that are involved. It's those two that you would. It's hard to imagine either of those two going under, especially for Omega Osprey. But I would Danielson Okada as well. I think you want like thirty at least for those two. Sure. Yeah. When you include entrances and everything, um, I, you know, like a solid 20 something, I think everybody would be more than satisfied. But, um, you know, I'd, as long as it's a satisfying match, I don't think people will be complaining if it doesn't hit the 30 minute mark. Let's start off with news items. The first one is an unfortunate story involving BJ Whitmer, who has been with AEW from the get-go in a producer-coach capacity, and he has been fired from the company, uh, this coming after an arrest on domestic violence charges. Uh, He was arrested back on June the 4th, but this only came to light uh, tonight. He was arrested in Kentucky and is facing first-degree strangulation charges. a first degree strangulation charge and a second degree burglary charge, both of which are class C felonies in Kentucky. He was arrested on June the 4th. So that was a week ago, Sunday and was out today on a $25,000 cash bond. Uh, There's no listing of when he is back in court, but AEW issued a statement today. BJ Whitmer has been terminated following his arrest on domestic violence charges while talent and staff are ultimately responsible for their own personal actions. This behavior is intolerable within AEW. AEW has reached out to offer support to those impacted by his behavior. And nothing more beyond that, but these are very serious charges. And I would say AEW was in a position here where this was the, you would probably say the only solution that they could have to this kind of an issue and whatever uh, legal fallout there is for BJ Whitmer. Yeah, really terrible to hear this story at any point, especially when it's attached to somebody within our industry, uh, a, a real shame. And, um, you know, I think AEW publicly announcing something like this is, you know, it's good to see, you, you know, BJ Whitmer is not a wrestler who had an on-air role. He's somebody who worked in the back, but nonetheless, somebody associated with the company. And I'm happy to see this, this swift action from AEW. Andrew Marshawn from the New York Post, he had a big story today, uh, Essentially stating that joining uh, Friday Night SmackDown, Raw is also out of its exclusive negotiating window. So both properties are on the open market as we speak. And uh, Andrew Marchand is reporting that he still believes that ultimately the favorites are still the incumbents to retain these uh, programs with Raw and SmackDown. However, there are players that are believed to be in the mix, uh, two of the key ones being Disney and Amazon Prime. Now with Disney, you think ESPN, but Marchand is reporting that this would more likely be for FX, which is one of their cable networks, because ESPN, they have such a 
such an overwhelming sports schedule that they would not be able to earmark one night of the week for WWE programming and FX, which has its own original programming, um, has a much more flexible schedule and therefore would potentially be a fit in in all of this the other is amazon prime which for obvious reasons that we've discussed they are trying to build out their sports portfolio and wwe would fit into into their strategy and where they're going with but it's still i feel nbc universal i think would stun people for that relationship not to continue and i would say that smackdown is is still fox's programming to lose it's a it's a very valuable property on Friday nights. We just saw, you know, an extreme example of that last week with the thousand day celebration, but we have reached the point where now they can take uh, official you know, meetings and offers from outside of NBC universal and Fox. So that has been, you know, Nick Khan just slowly courting all of this, these programs to the public over the last month or so. And now we're going to see where the significant offers come and, WWE is going to have to make that decision and looking at, at minimum, they're hopeful of a 1.5 X increase. Mm -hmm. Seems like this is just, you know, um, the timeline as we kind of expected, but it's interesting to see like who might be in play and what the possibilities are in terms of scheduling the package deals. Um, what a WWE may potentially look like under, you know, a Disney umbrella, um, or even an Amazon umbrella, what sort of like, um, corporate synergies what we see with you know their other properties and and things like that um until we get any more concrete news i mean it's just kind of fun to speculate but at the moment it just seems like what odds are they stay where they are well the the other uh description of uh speculation would be this subheading dark horses here in this new york post story and this is from andrew marshawn at this point we would put both Apple and Warner Brothers Discovery in this category. They both seem more focused on the NBA. But one nugget I was told that may interest wrestling fans is that Warner Brothers Discovery does not have to stay exclusive to AEW. It would be something if it got in on WWE, but I don't see it yet. So that would at least, um, if that is to be true, the fact that Warner Brothers Discovery, if they wanted to go after this programming, it's not a case that it would be an either or proposition with AEW. However, on the other side of things, I mean, we have seen uh, WWE just with this whole um, issue with the whole MLW lawsuit and the fact that Peacock, they were able to negotiate an exclusivity clause. I cannot fathom WWE wanting to be uh, in Warner Brothers Discovery and being part of the wrestling programming. I mean, it would be to me... Um, I would go so far as to think it would be a deal breaker for WWE if Warner Brothers Discovery wanted both of these companies under one roof. Well, do do we know when the AEW current deal expires? So Tony Khan has never officially stated that the option has been picked up, which would take them believed to be towards the end of or, or to the end of 2024. So there is. Um, th that potential that if Warner Brothers Discovery could strike a deal with WWE, that AEW could, in theory, go elsewhere. And would there be any overlap between the start of a new WWE deal with the same time that an AEW contract ends? Probably. Well, like, yeah, right, there, there okay. would probably be three months there. Like if the AEW, mm -hmm. as, as we believe it, that this extension would take them to the end of 2024, mm -hmm. Raw SmackDown end it's like September 30th, 2024. So you would have an October, November, December period where in theory, 
again, highly unlikely, but it's highly it's, we have to lay it out, you know, as a possibility. You, you can't, especially in a world where Warner Brothers Discovery has a minimal or complete divorce from the NBA. Like mm-hmm. that's not out of the question. And as I've said many times, Warner Brothers Discovery still has to program all these nights of the week for TNT and TBS and you lose the NBA. It's a big gap in your schedule. I would believe that would be more fruitful for AEW than it would necessarily be going out and spending the kind of money that WWE would be looking for. And with the loss of an NBA, I think WWE would be commanding an even higher value because they know the situation that Warner Brothers would be in if you're losing the NBA and wanting to fill it in with WWE and what they believe they could offer. So is it to WWE's advantage to wait for an NBA deal to be announced? I mean, in in many ways... You know, the, the NBA deal is not up until the end of the 24-25 season, um, but those negotiations are going to be, you know, already I am sure that there are significant talks because of how valuable that package is. I don't know if it's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just in many of these different negotiations, that's in the back of your head. If you're If you're negotiating with a Warner Brothers, and this would go for AEW, it's that until that NBA deal is signed, it's... You are somewhat handicapped in programming and knowing what are we playing with and what are we not playing with for the long term? Do we have the NBA? Do we have a portion of the NBA? Or do we have no NBA? Because those are three very different scenarios that you're building your your secondary programming schedule around. Hmm. I will tell you one thing that that I know is that uh, I have heard from just about every single Canadian wrestling fan who have um, near unanimous thoughts on TSM Plus (laughs) since Friday. Uh, if if you find a fan of of this uh, service or somebody who can uh, properly explain it, then I will um, give you a free pass to Canada's Wonderland. I do understand the frustration in the sense that I don't think it's it's a great streaming service to deal with. I will say, though, that a lot of the complaints are more so why it's not on television as opposed to streaming. And I get that to a degree. But if you have TSN, you at least now you have the access to TSN plus, which for is just now. In this, for now, but it's been for now for months. Yes. There's no sign of this thing ending. And yes, well, if it ends, then yes, then that is an issue. But I have no signal of this thing ever ending because it's been months and months I, and months now. I just think the ambiguity it's, it, in itself is, is, is a lot for people to juggle when they can just type in one of those websites that are out there where they could just watch it freely without having to log in or anything else, you know? Um, I, I I think it's the rollout of TSM plus that also is, is very like really irked me. Um, they have yet to announce how much TSM plus will cost on top of your TSN subscription or TSN oh, they, Go, they, it is Go listed on, on the site. It's, that it's $20 to get TSN go. That does. It's not specific to TSM Plus, though, and they've they've been very vague about that sort of messaging about like whether or not you have to pay in in addition to TSN Go or not. Um, and I couldn't imagine you're spending that amount of money and not getting TSN Plus. With. So TSN, the twenty dollars fee is for people who don't subscribe to cable TV at all. Just like you know, for Sportsnet, if you only want to watch Sportsnet online, you pay a certain fee in lieu of you know subscribing to a cable package on Rogers, for instance, and and yes. that's what the twenty dollars is that you're getting for TSN. No mention of how much TSN Plus will cost on top of that, or if it's even a fee you would pay on top of that. I would imagine it would all be the same because you're talking about people that, in theory, would not have cable if you can't access this. Uh, like if I don't have TSN, how could I access TSN Plus at the moment? You pay the $20 for, for TSN Go, 
and you're getting the the preview for now yes for now. Yeah. yes no i get it. the the language and rollout of this streaming service seemed very lackluster like i did not see a whole lot of an advertising campaign behind this a of a clear message for people i certainly get that um but at least at present it's 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 to me it's it's, it's better than uh than nothing at all um I guess because I have not run into the problems. Like I'm just used to watching Rampage on TSN Plus, and hmm. it's it's aggravating, but not to the sense that it's uh, you know detrimental yeah. to the viewing of it. But if if we are talking about like twenty dollars for this thing, good luck. You're gonna have nobody signing up for this thing at twenty dollars. Like that that is insanity to me. If if this thing ends up being priced at twenty dollars a month. Yeah, I think you're you're going to get a lot of people possibly signing up to NordVPN.com slash post wrestling and signing up to AEW plus on fight, which I really do feel like, you know, all sort of like publicity aside, um, is the best way to consume AEW, you know. Uh, people internationally have it really good and people with a VPN can access it too. But I mean you're talking about a lot of hurdles. A lot of people aren't willing to sign up for a VPN and, and learn all that stuff. Um and for those people they might be going through alternative means. So one of the early collisions is the card from Scotiabank Arena, which will be episode two of Collision. It's the night before Forbidden Door, and CM Punk is now officially being advertised for that Collision show. Uh, AEW put out this ad, uh, so this guarantees he's on the United Center card. He is on the Toronto show, and uh, I heard from, from from one person in Hamilton who had seen local advertising with with Punk's image for the Hamilton show as well. So. I'm thinking that Saturday, um, I think it's very likely we're getting a promo from Punk, we're getting a match from Punk, and probably an angle to set up something for week two with with Punk as well. You why would you say why would you say that it's likely that he would wrestle? Uh, I'm talking about show one. They've announced. Oh, show one. Okay. Yes. 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 But, sorry. So, what are you expecting for show two in Toronto? I think that for show two, it's. I can almost see the idea that he is announced for a match week two and there's nothing announced for forbidden door. And if he is going to wrestle on forbidden door, that will be set up the night prior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be my possible. Thought. I mean, um, or, you know, I'm, I'm sure the build will probably start from night one, whether it's against, you know, a Jay White or a Samoa Joe, you know, they'll, they'll probably build to something. Um but you know, something like this makes you wonder why this this wasn't announced like the week of the punk return announcement. You know, like like why why wait till today? You know, to to make the announcement, or were they not sure that he would be there for some reason, or did they think that you know it was assumed that the, you know he would be on every single collision? Um, I just find the rollout a little bit perplexing. Well, WrestleTix has the latest figures, so. Uh, collision on Saturday in Chicago. There are just over 8,400 tickets out. So I, I would say like that is a very good shot of clearing 9,000, maybe to 9,500 by showtime on Saturday. We'll see how much CM Punk anticipation there is over these next couple of days. Do you, do you see a way that hits 10,000, moves 1,600 tickets from now till Saturday? Um, Now till Saturday? Man, um, let's see what else they announce on Wednesday for it. Um, do we get, you know, anybody like, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll get plenty of announcements on Wednesday, but, um, 
I feel like they should. You know, like CM Punk returning to Chicago. I feel like ten thousand is not like out of the. I could see. I could see a big walk up. Like this is gonna again. It's it's not gonna sell at the United Center, but this is this is gonna be a very good number for them on Saturday. It's the collisions after that that have not felt this bump. Toronto is currently uh, just under nineteen hundred tickets out. Hamilton is under nine hundred. Regina is at 1350 Calgary, which will have the Owen Hart cup finals is at 3,500 at the saddle dome. And then uh, returning to the U S the Newark card, July 22nd, they're at 4,400, which for a, a month out, they they've got time to build that one up. I mean, they didn't blow the doors off Newark with their opening sales, but in time, if they have something big for that show, that has time to still move, but yeah, the, the Canadian shows, I think they they've certainly been, been very soft and the, the Toronto and Hamilton ones stick out a lot. I've seen a lot of people complaining about the pricing for those shows in particular, you know, um, I, I haven't looked into it myself, but it seems like a lot of base level prices are like, um, I, I don't even want to speak, but they, they're a lot more than people were expecting for something like that. I could see them, you know, bundling um, tickets at some point for, for some of these collision dates, especially the one in Hamilton. So if you're on the lookout for some of those, Maybe maybe it's best to wait. G1, there were announcements over the weekend of the blocks and the entire schedule for the summer tournament. So it is four blocks like last year, although it is a different format. Last year, it was the block winner in each four blocks that advanced to the semifinals and then the two winners met in the final. This year, the top two go on in each block. So it'll be... Like first place of one block takes on second place of another. So there's eight positions at stake to move on to the next round. It's kind of like an extra round built in, almost like, you know, like a, what do you, what do you call it in the world series? You know, like you have your like the divisional series, divisional race. And then you have your sort of like, a, yeah. you'll have three nights of, yeah. at the end where you'll go from the quarterfinals, the semifinals, yeah. and then the final is on the Sunday, August 13th. Yeah, I kind of like the idea, you know, like it, the purpose of a G1 really should be to like, you know, give a bit of an extra spotlight for whoever comes out of the tournament. And oftentimes, even if you're a finalist, you end up, you know, getting just as big of a push as somebody who ends up winning uh, for people that are at least unexpected. You can um, also do the different stories where in some blocks you have the guy that gets out and it's just mounting up the undefeated streak but mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily eliminate all the others because yeah. they're still fighting for that second spot it's the f1 theory that even if there's the dominant number one everyone mm -hmm. can fight for two and you can have some parity at that point it creates uh, i think a lot more interest and as well they're they're putting most of the shows it's two blocks together per day so that's going to eliminate I remember one with Tom Lawler last year where it was something like a week to nine days or so in between tournament matches. It seems like a lot of that's going to be eliminated and you're not going to get the the undercards for a lot of these shows, but it's all meaningful matches, which just mm -hmm. mean longer days for us. So yeah. let's go through these blocks. A block has Sonata, Chase Owens, Hikuleo, Ren Narita, Shota Umino, Yoda Suji, Gabriel Kidd, and Kaito Kiyomiya. So a lot of the younger talent is in mm -hmm. here. Um, notably, Kiyomiya, who... Uh, if you saw the all together again main event on Friday uh, in that six man, man, he felt like the star of that match. And he was in there with the, the star of all stars um, amongst them. But that Okada Kiyomiya feud is red hot. Uh, but curiously, they are not in the same block, although that does not mean that they don't have some match, um, just a more meaningful one down the stretch in the G1. Mm -hmm. yeah maybe even you know more interesting to have that happen later on i i i look at something like this and maybe you 
you might pick Kaito Kiyomiya as one of the favorites. Um, it's really interesting that they put all the debuting, you know, G1 wrestlers, um, I, at least I think it's all of them, into this single block, you know, other than Sonata and Chase Owens, I believe, for everybody else. Has Hikuleo been in G1? No, Was he? This is his first. So, I mean, Hikuleo, yeah, Ren, Everyone Narita. except for Sonata and Owens, it's their first uh, G1 that is in this block. And I love the idea of Suji beating Sonata in this block to, so that we get a rematch hmm. um, at a certain point. This, yes. this could be a really interesting block because Sonata is the kind of champion that you can buy so many people potentially ending this reign with. And this could set up one or two really big matches as well. Yes. So I'm, I'm, it's, it's a huge block in terms of these guys are coming out there to really steal the tournament with their, their first G1s. So yeah. I, I'm very intrigued by that A block. B block has uh, Kazuchika Okada, Yoshihashi, Taichi, Kenta, Great Okan, Will Ospreay, Tangaloa, and El Fantasmo. So maybe the big one here is Okada and Will Ospreay having another match, which I believe is July 27th. And I guess uh, there, there, there's a range here. I would say Ospreay and his pairings here, uh, they might vary. I think Ospreay and El Fantasmo could be off the charts. And Ospreay and Okan, stablemates. That's right. The, they, they will uh, they will have a match in here. Mm-hmm. Osprey and Yoshihashi. I mean, Yoshihashi is always the G1 is sort of where the spotlight is on him for a month and the results vary. And Wei and I always have some argument about Yoshihashi during our G1 coverage. I think he's usually great. Like he is like, well, the he has the, the opponents to do. Taichi is uh, always, always good for something really unique in, in this mm-hmm. tournament as well. So this, I mean, it's got Osprey, it's got Okada. Um, you know, Yoshihashi typically steps up and El Fantasmo. I've been super high on this guy as like a breakout baby face. And he certainly could have a really good tournament as well. But I would imagine that Osprey and Okada are most people's probably one, two in this block, unless we get some big surprise. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. C block, David Finley, Tomohiro Ishii, Evil, Tamatonga, Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, Eddie Kingston, and Mikey Nichols. So this is uh, Eddie Kingston essentially going to like fantasy camp for the summer, G1 fantasy camp. And uh, we will get Eddie Kingston and Shingo. Uh, yeah. We'll get Eddie Kingston and Ishii. Yeah. And we'll get Eddie Kingston and Evil after all these years. <laughs> no. Oh, God. Um. You know, part of me like was kind of hoping for like an Eddie Kingston Okada, Eddie Kingston sort of like Tanahashi big face off or even like a, a Kingston Naito. But I mean, shit, like if you're going to pair him with anybody, pairing him with the shingle, pairing him with the Tomo Ishii, you could you could do a lot worse. So I think he's going to have um, a lot of fun in this tournament. And uh, who who are the two favorites in the, in this block to advance? I, I think David Finley is yeah. a pretty sure bet. David and Finley then- back in C block after all this time. It's, it's it's full circle. Um, yeah. It would not stun me. Um, I, I would say like your next seed. Like I think Kingston is going to be booked very well if he clinches and goes to the next round. Uh, it's possible. It's possible he goes ahead of Shingo. It's possible. I, I, I maybe I don't see it uh, so much, but I definitely think Finley's a favorite. I wonder if Hanare might have um, any any sort of legs. Um, as somebody that they might be pushing, um, you can you can always maybe count on Evil as just some sort of disruptor that like probably won't be moving past you know the the block finals, but he's definitely a heel that people want to cheer against. So I would never count that out. Yeah, and you have Tamatonga in, in the mix on, on top of that. The D block has Hiroshi Tanahashi, Tetsuya Naito, Hiroki Goto, Zack Saber Jr., Toru Yano, Jeff Cobb, Shane Haste, and Alex Coglin. This is an interesting block because I. 
I'm really curious how many more G1s Tanahashi and Ishii have left in them. And I think you have to extend that uh, to Goto. And I mean, we're even getting to that conversation about Naito, where I don't think this is the end for them. But we're, we're much closer to the end for some of these guys than we are like the, the prime of their runs where they can be depended on to do this, this very intense tournament every summer. I think it's something like his 22nd uh, G1 for Hiroshi Tanahashi. And that's like, you know, college graduate. You know, that's his G1 career is a college graduate, which is insane. Definitely like probably older than some of the people in, in this tournament. Even is, but, is there uh, any chance this is the last G1 for Tanahashi? This summer? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's like I, I haven't heard any sort of rumblings of like a, a retirement for him um, anytime soon. Even if it, there is, I think they'd make a bigger deal out of his last G1. Yeah, this is, you know, this will give you, this to me is the Zach Block. I mean, he's been on fire this year. I mean, another contender when we're talking about wrestlers of the year. And I think he's going to have, like, him and Naito have that that history from the G1, like uh, the, the whole injury to Naito. Um, Zach and Tanahashi, they're never going to have a bad match together. Zach and Cobb just had a really terrific match together. Um I'm interested to see like Coglin and Shane Haste for the same reasons as a lot of the the A block guys in their their first G1 and I mean Toru Yano he has just always carved out a spot for himself uh in, in these tournaments so mm-hmm. uh, you'll you'll get Zach and Yano yeah, always something fun. to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So there you have it. That is the G1. Uh, stay tuned for our plans for G1 coverage this year, but it will be uh, covered on the Post Wrestling Cafe. More info to come. And the final uh, bit of notes are the ratings from Friday. SmackDown came back down to earth after that huge number the week prior with 2,278,000 viewers and a 0.6 in the demo. So even coming down, this was their second best number since April 28th. And this was going against the Heat Nuggets that did 10.4 million viewers. And they did about 126,000 viewers in Canada. So all in all, it was it was still a, a very good number for SmackDown, but not to the level of the week prior. So the decision, the fans saw through this one way. They knew they were not getting a solid decision from Jey Uso. You also don't have like a, you know, nice round number attached to this particular show, like 1000. No, uh, th- those zeros, they they really pay for themselves in the in the long run when you can attach that to a title reign. Rampage was not a good number. Two hundred and ninety one thousand viewers down 18 percent from last week. This was the lowest Rampage viewership in its normal time slot ever and doing a point ten point one zero in the demo, which was down 13%, uh, second lowest 18 to 49 ever, again, in the normal Friday 10 p.m. time slot. And a lot of this was, uh, a lot of it was the younger audience. And it was interesting because women 18 to 49 were actually up 8%. It was men that fell 30% that were not into this show. 18 to 34 was down 32%. And there was also a, a bit of a fall for your older demo, the 50 plus demo going from a one seven to a one three. So they were 27th on cable also against the NBA. Um, but this was, you know, we looked at that championship Friday and looking at that as, you know, not this, uh, this home run in terms of the viewership, but uh, in comparison to this, it was. Well, I'm really curious to see like this week, moving forward, how rampage is booked. How will Tony Khan continue to give people a reason to watch this when you're adding two more hours of first run programming on a Saturday, this does feel like it's for a lot of people that are even diehards of AEW. If you haven't left after like a month of, you know, uh, moving around in the schedule, this might be a final nail in the coffin. Yeah. And this is sort of the level that you might expect to see rampage. Like it, it's not going to surprise me that rampage is going to 
you know, have weeks where it falls below these numbers that we're talking about. And and how much of a priority do you really make Rampage when Collision is the shiny toy that you need to get up and running and does deserve the priority? Jeez, these Excalibur like rundowns are going to be twice as long now, aren't they? Because he's going to have to cover for Collision as well. God, and the pay-per-views. Whatever Maybe Rampage is just going to be Mystery Vortex every week. Tune in and find out what you're going to see. We're not going to announce anything. <laughs> Well, other than CM Punk, of course. Well, I'm saying Rampage. I don't think. Oh, Rampage. Going up oh, Rampage. that's not a terrible idea. Well, just show, tune in on Fridays and find yeah. out what you'll see. And we're just going to get wild, wacky GCW-esque yeah. matches. Yeah, Shibata versus, um, you know. Um, Tenru. Yoshihiko. Yeah, Ten- Tenru? Tenru is definitely not doing Coming any more wrestling matches. 100%. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible, conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement. Because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, let's get into tonight's edition of Raw from uh, Way's favorite place, Wichita, Kansas. Well, I like it more than Hartford. Did you did you see as soon as they got through Raw, then AEW was able to announce that they're going there for collision on July 29th? So yeah. Be so at the Carter, Excel Center. Care to explain that? Well, it seems like this is the deal that for some buildings that AEW are not or the building can't announce an AEW date until WWE is through with it. Because when they rolled out the collision dates, July 29th was this empty Saturday. And yeah. I reached out to AEW asking about this date and was just told more events are going to be announced. And with that, the Hartford show came and went last Monday. And I think it was Tuesday, if not Wednesday, yeah. they they announced the XL Center for it, collision. It's understandable that WWE with with you know its its command of the market can demand something like that. But could you imagine if like other things that you know booked arenas had the same sort of like ability like let's say a rap show is booked and you you know this this building of uh, the wu-tang clan is playing you you know uh yeah you know what any other like rapper drake cannot announce a date you know until the wu-tang clan have performed i mean that's just ridiculous so are you gonna look down on me that i snuck this into the real sports contract that they can't announce any other <laughs> dates for real sports until we're done well when when we're the benefactors then yeah no it's fine then the rules change yeah tonight um the Intrust Bank Arena, the IBA, as I'm sure it's uh, colloquially referred to as. Good thing Adam it's Pierce, not a stadium. Yeah. Um, no, it's uh, just uh, Intrust. As, the as IBS a, would not be great. <laughs> I was a little slow on the, on the draw on that one. That's very good. Adam Pierce uh, went into his loop bag of toys and pulled out yet another championship belt. And Rhea Ripley is now the WWE uh, disputed women's world champion. <laughs> Yeah, I believe this one is disputed. I've not had a close up of the belt yet, but um, <laughs> yeah, I guess if the other one is undisputed, this one is clearly, you know, the other, uh, the opposite. But you know, I love how like we've had like several of these title presentations at this point, and like this was the this had the least fanfare of them all. You know, they you, didn't even you, promote this in advance. Like, no, like big big celebration, big presentation on Raw. It was just let, let's get through this and give you your belt, and we can move on. First so, one is. 
like hunters there for like you know the one with rollins and then like the one with reigns hunters there the second one is the, the first woman's one doesn't even have hunter it's just adam pierce and then this last one is just like here's the new title <laughs> take it bye-bye see you later you know are, are zane and owens going to be next are they going to get some uh unified tag titles I, I have to think so they might wait until they, they drop them but yeah i have to think that they they get a special shiny new belt too Dominic runs down to celebrate, and they're interrupted by Cody Rhodes, and he respects Rhea, says that this title is well-earned, and we get a replay of the slap heard around the world last week, and Cody doesn't think Brock has the balls to face him again, so he suggests he face Dominic at Money in the Bank, and Dominic notes how he's not afraid of anyone, but he's avoiding giving an answer until Rhea accepts on his behalf, and then Miz tries to jump Cody, who is fought off, and with Cody's back turned, Dominic with a hit and run, and then flees the scene as Cody is struck yet again by Dominic, who gets the gets the strike in and is hightailing it out of the ring. So as expected, we're getting Cody and Dominic at Money in the Bank. And I don't want to repeat myself, but I'm going to. I do feel it's a big gap that this guy is still even bringing up the finish the story line on this show. And we don't get any explanation for this guy not pursuing Mm. Uh, a golden ticket towards this title by entering a money in the bank qualifying match. And maybe they just felt they didn't have a compelling enough reason to explain why he's not going for this. But that to me is a giant storyline uh, hole that has to be called out. I mean, you have to think that, that they would have um, um, thought of the idea of Cody, perhaps, you know, go entering a contenders match or qualifier match and having Dominic somehow involved in, in costing him. Would that have been too predictable? Would that have been, you know, too similar to maybe like the world title tournament thing that Lesnar cost? I maybe. don't, I, I don't even disagree with this thinking, but I don't think you want to trivialize Cody losses by just doing it just to set up another match. I do get that thinking, but th- there is a big hole here and I don't know what necessarily the, the logic would, would be of how you would explain it. But I think if you gave it some time, you could come up with something that justifies him not entering um, this Money in the Bank ladder match when the caliber of talent that are in that match, um, mm-hmm. Cody is viewed above and beyond all of these people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it it demands a bit of an explanation from Cody. But the match itself, I, I really like. You know, it's, it's they're two of the uh, company's most over characters that get the biggest reactions. And as basically, you know... Um, an intermission between Cody's next match with Brock Lesnar. I think it's great. I think the audience will react huge for this one. I wish it was billed as that Cody's intermission match. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, it's for a holdover. I think it's a great option. I think this is, that, should, be, that should be the tag. It's a holdover, the holdover. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, like we, we'll probably get Roman's angle for this show coming up on SmackDown, but this, this is going to be among, if not the most heated match on that show. And that says a lot when you're talking about this crowd in London, but I could see this crowd being just bananas for this match. Um, Cody Rhodes against the Miz. So they got this match in early before the basketball game started because they were up against uh, the heat and nuggets tonight. So this got into the ring, um, you know, uh, 15, 20 minutes before the game started. And there's a dragon screw on Miz. And then Cody is uh, working on the knee, but then Miz yanks Cody, drops him face first onto the steps. Uh, Cody comes back and there's a disaster kick, goes for the Cody cutter, but it's caught for a skull crushing finale that Cody blocks. He eats the it kicks. Somewhere in all of this, Cody got busted up because you could see blood uh, might've cut his head somewhere because he had blood going uh, to the back of his head. A big welt on his shoulder too from the steps. 
So that's we, right. And maybe it, that was all the same spot where he hit his head and shoulder going into the steps, but the skull crushing finale is avoided. Cody cutter and crossroads wins the match clean 10 minutes and 41 seconds. I thought the match delivered exactly what you would expect from a Cody versus Miz match. You know, um, the offense is, is certainly not that flashy, but I think overall the Miz plays a perfectly good low level villain to make your baby face, you know, look good in the spotlight. Um, crowd, I would say throughout most of the night, didn't react very loudly to some of the wrestling. And unlike no, last dude, week, I thought as much as you have a, a hate on for Hartford, I thought this was a much worse crowd tonight. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I was kind of with this audience tonight though, because I didn't think the wrestling was really all that spectacular. I thought last week was, a they wanted show, their but... two minute money in the bank qualifying matches. Yes, of course. Of course. But you know, I, I Hey, like, um, it's it's something that's going on where like I don't think the wrestling is really all that spectacular, uh, at least on tonight's show. Becky Lynch was uh, hanging out with Owens and Zayn, then walks past Gable, who's training with Otis and Maxine. That would have a payoff later. And she comes out throughout her career. She has never won the Money in the Bank ladder match. So the purpose of this promo was to explain why winning Money in the Bank is bigger than headlining WrestleMania or winning a women's title. And the key word was power. And she used this word so much that she got tongue-tied and had to even call out her own uh, inability to convey what all this power means. But in essence, she is saying that having the title is one thing, but having the power is the real value, uh, the most valuable person in this company. And having the briefcase means you have the power. So it's more important than the title, which begs the question why anyone would cash this thing in. It was, I think, a promo maybe that looked fine on paper, but in practice, it was very convoluted. And I think the stumble in there, a rare one from Becky, certainly didn't help matters at all. Um, I would say this was a rare miss from Becky Lynch. She said that Trish is scared and needed an insurance policy in Zoe Stark for their Night of Champions match because she knew she had already lost before the match even happened. So Stark comes out and she says that Becky... Another thing you've never done is beat Trish Stratus and you won't beat her in and you won't beat Zoe in the money in the bank match. So Becky says how how impressed she is with Zoe, but you lack a personality. And Zoe just screamed back at her and went to the tried and true line. Becky is only relevant because someone broke your face. And then she's getting littered with what chance Zoe says she'll break her face again and make her famous and then Chelsea Green and Sonia Deville come out as we go to Becky and Chelsea. But uh, the talking portion of, of this before the match, I did not think that this worked at all. I thought this was a really difficult promo for Becky to pull off um, just in the message she was trying to convey, both literally and figuratively. And uh, Zoe did not have a great outing either, I thought, on the microphone. You're right. Um, I feel like Zoe like has the ability to project, which I think um, is already um, it it's already like set of where setting, Ronda Rousey's at. Well, yeah, it's setting ago. her above much of the division is what I'm trying to say. You know, and, and that plus her ability to wrestle, I think they will continue to look at her very favorably for just having those two things. Um, but the the emotion that she got into here with her screaming, I thought was kind of unprompted and felt a little like it was overacting which in wrestling like is not that unusual in fact like you kind of have to be a bit of an overactor in most cases but i didn't think the line was infuriating enough that it demanded that sort of like screaming you know pro wrestler type of reaction so i didn't really buy it 
you don't have a personality. So Becky and Chelsea had a match. They explained Trish is not here. She is off shooting a magazine cover. So Zoe casually took a seat on top of a ladder to watch this. Well, Becky told her to grab a seat. And she did. She didn't pull up a chair. She sat on the ladder. Right. Yeah. Becky got uh, kicked off the apron as Sonya distracted and then got curb stomped into the buckle. But Becky comes back with a missile drop kick and does her spot where she repeatedly throws Green into the barricade. And after Green blocked the manhandle slam, Becky moved to the disarmer, submitting her in seven minutes and 19 seconds. So set up win for Becky Lynch going towards money in the bank. And we're probably going to get a bunch of these because we have a we have quite a few weeks until money in the bank. And they've almost finished all the women's qualifiers and the men are done. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. Um, you know, if the past two weeks have really kind of been any indication on just like how interested some of these crowds have been in the wrestling that they've been giving them. Um, like like the Cody Miz match, I just kind of felt like there was really nothing notable or very creative about this particular match to speak of. It was perfectly fine, but makes you wonder why they just blitzed through all these qualifiers that got no time on the shows. And now you, it's like you've got all your qualifiers done. It's like you could have spread these out for least another how much was it like you know wanting something to go up against the competition well tonight they were going up against the competition and right and they yeah what did they have they had a qualifier and they had a tag title match that was their Mm -hmm. hope and and getting the jump on things with a cody match early uh judgment day is walking in the back but finn balor's in his own world he's not paying attention and then priest uh says he's going to qualify for money in the bank but he wants to go out alone tonight and balor is just looking all uh all bothered by whatever's going on for he, he was probably thinking about how uh, th- this reaction for his big promo that he was going to yeah. get. Sure. How am I going <laughs> to cut my promo tonight in Wichita? So on the body of the show, Seth Rollins never addressed Braun Breaker or the challenge from last week. However, mm-hmm. in multiple ads, it's not promoting the match, but it's the question, will Seth Rollins answer Braun Breaker's challenge? So, mm-hmm. It's kind of strange. I would assume we're not getting this match on Tuesday, but mm-hmm. maybe you're going to get a video from Rollins. I don't even know if we're necessarily getting him showing up in the in the arena tomorrow. I think that would that would be really that would make NXT look really bad. Okay, and well, I can't imagine. He's, I just I don't know why you wouldn't um, promote the match if you were going to deliver the match in 24 hours. It's not like Seth Rollins was like lacking any sort of promo time here. He had multiple opportunities to, opportunities to speak, and. Well, Even he's just, doing the open challenge next week. It, like, it almost negates doing a match tomorrow, unless Breaker's answering this challenge next well, Monday. I, I just think at the very least, no matter what the decision is, I think at least an acknowledgement of the open challenge from Braun, Braun Breaker will go a long way in making Braun seem like a big deal and making NXT feel like a connected part of this universe. We got none of it, you know, other than these this this promo. So unless you watched NXT and knew exactly what was going on, um, you wouldn't know what they were talking about. And secondly, even if you did watch it, I don't necessarily get the sense that it feels like a big deal, even that Seth Rollins could possibly appear on NXT. Damian Priest and Matt Riddle. This was the final men's qualifying match for Money in the Bank, and they went over 14 minutes. Um, at one point, Riddle uh, lands on his feet uh, from a south of heaven, and then Priest knocks him off balance and tries a razor's edge off the turnbuckle. That's turned into a fisherman off the off the. Uh, turnbuckle floating bro misses and then priest catches riddle as he's leaping off the middle rope and turns it into the razor's edge gets the win at 1420 so priest is in the match with butch shinsuke ricochet la knight and santos escobar those are your Mm -hmm. six 
As we've expected, you know, they, they've been doing a whole lot with uh, Damian Priest. In fact, he's probably a front runner to actually win the, the, the whole briefcase uh, at this point. Um, match was good. You know, I, I mean, these two have uh, are, are, are friends and, and they have very good chemistry to come together. Uh, again, it was one that definitely took the crowd a little bit to get into. So um, yeah. I wonder if I wonder if this is one of the older, like average ages of a money in the bank match. We have three. Hmm. 40 plus performers in this match between priest Nakamura and Knight. I, I, I wonder, I mean, I, you know, there are, wasn't Ric Flair in a money in the bank. He was, he was one person in a money in the bank match, but that um, would have still dragged the, the average up significantly maybe, but yeah. yeah and and he was know. well over 40 by the time they had that match. Gunther and Kaiser come out and they attack riddle two on one. They explain that there's no Vinci because of the attack by riddle last week. Kelly speaks with Cody Rhodes and he promises that Dominic is going to get hurt, and everyone has been looking at the adversity he has faced since losing at WrestleMania. I'm going to finish the story, and Brock and Dominic are not going to knock me off the path. Well, they are knocking you off the path this month and probably next month. That's probably, like, you you are temporarily diverting from the path. Like, you're at least going for a piss break before you get back onto the path. But Mm -hmm. I thought this was a good promo from from Cody, who I think can take... um, I feel in in his hands, uh, he could convey why this Money in the Bank briefcase means more than anything than yeah. finishing the story. Mm-hmm. I think you can rely on him, like especially now, you know, during his WWE run to 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 give you good substance, to give you good delivery, even in a short burst sort of backstage interview like this. And you know, he's like a Paul Heyman; like no matter how much time you give him, he he gives you something good. Byron Saxton interviewed Natalia, who has not who been is not s- like Paul Heyman <laughs> well, or Cody Rhodes. Well, she hasn't been the same since that loss to Rhea Ripley at Night of Champions and says, well, maybe that's a good thing because being me hasn't gotten me anywhere. I don't even know how to be me anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think we're but- getting a character overhaul? for natalia that's what i took from this i mean clearly that seems to be the tease right um and she's been through a lot uh she's she's had we all remember um one of the the worst gimmicks of all time that natalia had to run with about a decade or so ago yeah um yeah i'm interested uh at least in seeing what what it is you know I, i think a new direction is 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 um there's potential there, but man, we've been through it for so many times with Natalia that I hard to get excited um, and hard to think that she'd be able to break through to to any different level beyond, you know, her current role is sort of like just, you know, the, the veteran to make people look good. Um, I also think her acting is pretty bad. Like it's, and it's not really gotten better, unfortunately. So let, I hope this new character suits her. Well, Saxton, his attention is taken away because he sees Owens and Zane and, Owens was so close to beating Gunther last week. Imperium walk in and Kaiser tries to get Owens upset. And they're asking where Baldy is. Kaiser says, if they are so confident, you should put the tag titles up on the line tonight. So Owens does his screaming bit and they agree to it. Pierce is going to think about it. He's going to think about it. They recap the Jay Uso story from SmackDown and Jinder Mahal and Indusheer. They are not happy that they did not get a proper match with Alexander and Benjamin last week. So they want to have a proper match. So we're not going to announce Rollins and Braun Breaker, but we are going to give you a week's notice on Indus Sheer against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. 
this makes things like just like what they did last week that much dumber. Like, so they came out here and they attacked Shelton and, and, and Cedric before the bell to what aim, I guess, you know, uh, only to come back here to challenge them to another match. So you're dragging this Shelton Cedric thing into three weeks. Um, and I, I just don't think that this team is any more over. And I don't think they'll be any more over come the three weeks um, ending. This got the promo. It did not get a graphic for next week uh, when they were teeing up what's coming up, uh, coming up in Cleveland. Ricochet and Bronson Reed. This is like the, the three-way program that is just uh, like spinning in circles for me. Yeah. So Nakamura comes out and Ricochet is on offense. He gets run over by an avalanche and then hits a quebrada for a two count. And Reed catches a moonsault from the apron and drops Ricochet onto Nakamura, who is seated at the desk. Reed then climbs to the top and Nakamura pops up, nails him for the DQ in 741. And Ricochet is just furious. I've lost by disqualification. Do you know what this is going to mean for me? So Reed runs Nakamura into Ricochet. Both are down and there's a, an attempt at the tsunami to Nakamura, but Ricochet stops him. And together, Nakamura and Ricochet somehow put their differences aside over this disqualification to double-team Reed with a superplex. And I kid you not, this Wichita crowd, which has been a flat line for two hours, starts chanting, holy shit, at this double-team superplex. Yeah. To to Bronson Reed, right. To Bronson Reed, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they like what they like, you know? uh <laughs> superplexes that's that was the key that it is impressive post. it is impressive seeing a big man you know get to superplex but sure like um this compared to maybe some of the other things i uh, to be honest i didn't think wichita had that much to, to cheer for up until this point you know on this particular show um but uh, they certainly didn't have a great finish to cheer for in this match either because um it was about as predictable of a dq finish as you can get it seems like a very clear build to some sort of three-way um in the most WWE style possible. I DQ your match, you DQ my match, and let's all settle our differences. Adam Pierce comes out and makes a match for the three of them. It's just kind of awkward, you know, because they're trying to build towards money in the bank with Ricochet and Nakamura in there. Reed is not in there. Um, at the same time as, you know, they're trying to build this three-way. So it would probably be a better match with Reed in there. Like your big base. Well, do well. Do you think this is like building up to Reed somehow entering the match? I or... could see that. I think it's a better match with Reed in there, and it would make storyline sense for him. like he if like they're building this as if he's in the match, but he's not in the match. So 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 we're getting a three away at some point between Ricochet, Reed, and Nakamura. Does Reed take one of their places, or does he just get added in? I could see him being added in potentially. Or not. Yeah, why not? I mean, they could just, all the, just continues, all, and he's the all, odd man out. All the steam is being put behind Bronson Reed, I think. So it, he'd be missing, it, it, it feels like, if he wasn't a part of Money in the Bank. Owens and Zayn have a heart-to-heart in the locker room where Zayn is uh, worried about this guy's, like, blood pressure. It's like, dude, you've been, like, really upset lately. And Owens is going on and on about all the stress with the bloodline and going into mania. Now he's paranoid about Imperium and what they're saying about him in a foreign language. Zane just asks, okay, but are you good out there? Which dude's on the verge of a panic attack here. And it's like, you okay? Let's talk about the tag titles. Are they in any jeopardy here? No, no, I'll be fine out there. All right, cool. Want some water? Yeah, I'd love some water. Be like, friend, I, th- I think we need to have a more serious discussion. 
They're Maybe, about uh, yeah. What is work masking at this problem uh, at this moment for you? A friendship about as loyal as uh, Sandoval and Schwartz. I think that I think Sandoval would certainly be Kevin Owens in in this situation. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. And Schwartz is going to catch it on the Yelp reviews. Pierce is on the phone and uh, with God knows who uh, confirming the tag title match. It's probably Nick Khan stating, you know what, we we would really love a third hour bump <laughs> that would give us those those added eyeballs that, I mean, what are you going to put in the third hour? You you put the undisputed tag titles. Getting pretty good. I'm going to work pretty on that Nick Khan one. Oh, I, I, think, I think I've got some uh, some range on that. Ricochet walks in. He wants a rematch with Bronson Reed, but Adam Pierce, long-term booker here. He's already booked Reed with Nakamura next week. It's too late. Did you hear on Rampage? So we we talked about the firm with Ethan Page, Moriarty, and Big Bill all being in a six-man together. Mm-hmm. So the explanation on Rampage was that this match was booked before Ethan Page's contract was taken over by the Hardys. So mm-hmm. That means that prior to Double or Nothing, yeah, <laughs> AEW had booked a rampage weeks in advance. This six man, like this, was signed, sealed, and delivered with contracts notarized. We can't lose this six man, and it had to have been booked weeks ago. Well, listen, John. I mean, travel arrangements, hotel bookings, you know, car rentals—all these things have to be arranged beforehand. You know, people are filling out their schedules a month in advance. Is it that hard to believe? Come on, he's probably got a rampage card for two months from now. Well. Nakamura walks in and him and Ricochet argue and Ricochet in the least threatening tone. Listen, if this ever happens again with you getting involved in one of my matches, we're going to have to finish what we started. And Nakamura is just like, you can have Bronson after I'm done with him. Okay. This is my stern voice and I'm not happy with this DQ loss. Leave Ricochet alone, John. Come on. People are so harsh on this guy. Come on. He's he's trying his best. I think I think he's not th- as bad as m- many people make make him out to be. Okay? Is he you know, is he um John Moxley? No, he's not. You know but who else not- I used to be really hard on that people got on me for just not giving any inch to? Who's that? Dominic Mysterio. Okay? Mm-hmm. I rest my case. Oh, so you're motivating. Is that you're trying to <laughs> turn Ricochet into the next Dominic? Listen, <laughs> you, you don't light a fire under yourself without someone igniting the spark. Oh, I like your methods. Hmm. Finn Balor comes out. This poor guy. <laughs> he's got like the, the, the biggest promo in years for him. And he's out in this crowd in Wichita. And he calls out Seth Rollins for a talk. But he warns, no jokes, no sing-alongs. So Balor is confronted by Rollins and this crowd turns out they've been silent for most of this show. This is what they showed up for. They paid to sing and no one was depriving them of singing. Superplexes and, and singing. That's what they're here. Yes. For. I will get very annoyed at the what chance and that they keep coming up. I am not going to blame any audience for doing this. And I like you have encouraged this and, mm-hmm. This adds a great atmosphere for Rollins, but you're also going to get situations like this where it's going to overtake certain segments and these performers are going to have to roll with it. And I think Mm -hmm. Balor was trying like you could see both of them were trying to get things on track and Rollins could sense it. And I think overall you got the message across, but I feel this was one of those segments where I don't think Balor intended that this audience was just not going to let up. Reactions like this are kind of hard to 
predict, you know, this reminded me very much of the Elias um, Seattle yeah. segment, you know, yeah. where the, the crowd just kind of took over and, and, and they were doing whatever they were doing. Right. And um, I don't think they could have anticipated it at the same time. I don't think they were exactly shy away from it. I think, I think Balor at times was, you know, purposely maybe given direction, maybe not, you know, to just encourage it and to keep this going. Cause if they were both acting in the moment, they both made it feel pretty like Balor was just doing what any heel would do, like getting mm-hmm. on the crowd for this. And Rollins was, you know, he, he was, you know, interjecting, um, and I guess it comes down to whether you felt that that added to the segment or this kind of deteriorated the, the message uh, of Balor. But regardless, I mean, it was an engaged audience, which on this show is was necessary at certain points. So Balor's big promo here is that he's been waiting for seven years to tell this to Rollins that he was the first round draft pick in 2016. He beat Roman his first night and then three weeks later beat Rollins to become the first universal champion. And if you remember that match, go to the Rewind Away archives. That was a match that the whole crowd booed that design of that universal championship and they were so negative on that title to the point that seth rollins went on twitter later that night to voice his displeasure with that barclay center crowd so they these two together they they brought out something in their live audiences but um rollins starts laughing stating this is the baller i've been waiting for for seven years and baller is blaming him for the lows he hit since 2016 with the injuries he understands that people get hurt in this business but you took my momentum and a year from my career which wasn't quite a year but nonetheless now it's his turn to take all of this from rollins and he's going to do it at money in the bank and rollins says you know we went different ways after that match in 2016 one of us got bitter the other got better and i made memories for fans because I changed, I adapted. Now I'm the best version of Seth Rollins and the proof is this title that I wear. So he agrees to face him and says that this bitter shell of a champion, Finn Balor, doesn't stand a chance. But the Finn that beat him at SummerSlam with one arm hanging from his body, that guy has a shot. So he asks if that Balor is going to show up or this version of Balor who acts like a little bitch. Mm Mm-hmm. It was a good segment that these two had mapped out. And I guess it just depends on if, if this crowd totally uh, was a tidal wave to the actual dialogue between them. But nonetheless, you set up the match. There's a key story to this that they have, they have for whatever we, we talk about WWE forgetting about long-term things, this is a match and an injury that they have never let you forget. So I think most fans are up to speed on this, even though we're talking about seven years ago, which is a lifetime when you think about it. Well, unfortunately, it has sort of become a career-defining moment for Finn Balor. You know, the guy who, I mean, coming out of NXT was just like a really hot product that they strapped the rocket to and crowned basically, you know, his his first stint in in the company and having it all go away the next day. Um, It's kind of tragic. And unfortunately, Finn Balor hasn't done anything in the WWE that has surpassed that moment um and you know it's it's for that reason that i think it sticks in everybody's memory especially when you're talking about the combination of finn balor and seth rollins uh and for that reason i thought this was a really strong promo if you could hear it you know if you could hear finn balor (laughs) that's the if this was one of balor's better promos in his entire wwe run because there was a lot of you know what felt like heartfelt resentment from what you know, again, has been a career-defining injury for him at this point. And he used it to fuel this rematch against Seth Rollins. And I thought Rollins' retort was equally as strong and in, in, in set him up for like a great heroic sort of like 
certain wisdom sharing moment where, you know, he says in the face of adversity, I got, I got better while you just got bitter. Um, the crowd singing, I think ultimately didn't make this segment feel more, more memorable. It would be one thing if I was there live and I couldn't hear what Finn Balor was saying, but because I, I could hear through the microphone, it just kind of provided like a really great enemy sort of like territory backdrop for Finn Balor to cut this promo in. Um, and I think whether or not it gets remembered positively will be dependent on how WWE reminds us of it going forward. I think they should talk about this as if it was like, you know, this monumental night in, in Seth Rollins career, certainly like in the build for this match at Money in the Bank, they should go back to this do you foresee this like we, we see a lot of audiences like they will become like copycats that we've seen like but dominic mm-hmm. and don Callis, that's that's a positive is it yeah. a positive for rollins segments um that the audience kind of takes over in, in this in this way I think it, it's all dependent on how they roll with it, right? You know, does the WWE like start crafting segments around the possibility of this? Um, I do think they create like some pretty in- interesting and, and actually spectacular like visuals um, for for the TV audience at home. So I think they could use it to their advantage. When it comes when it's not expected and when it's not anticipated and when it comes to the detriment of people cutting actual promos that are meant to be heard without interruption, then, yeah, that could be bad. Um, but for now, they kind of have something special that I think they're continuing to foster. Yeah, I mean, at its core, it's it's a lively crowd that's engaged in what's happening in the ring. So it's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to push back too too much on that. It's more about like, here's something that has come up very Nobody could have predicted the what chance still sticking around like 20 years later. Yeah, you know? and uh, and those, uh, those I cannot defend as, as, as much. Shayna Baszler, Raquel Rodriguez, um, yeah, just... Not a whole lot to this. Raquel caught a kick and landed some inside leg kicks, but then Rousey gets on the apron, and this led to Baszler rolling up Raquel, and Rousey uh, provided leverage with her foot. Two minutes and 13 seconds uh, Raquel loses, as she is probably texting Liv Morgan every night. So how how are you doing? How are things going? How many months until you're back? And this was just Raquel thrown to the wolves and a backdrop to promote the unification match with Isla Dawn and Elba fire. That's happening June 23rd. Somehow this was meant to promote a tag team title unification match. Um, I don't get it. Like I, I think I know Rhonda probably isn't supposed to wrestle every time, but I mean, in a tag team setting, I think they should have had a tag team match. Uh, Not to say that there are too many tag teams for them to beat, but I thought this did nothing for anybody. Um, It was like, they had no time given to it. Crowd was completely dead for it. They didn't even have time to show off, you know, what they could possibly do uh, in ring if they had any sort of chemistry. So it was about as generic of a finish as well as you could get with a roll up distraction roll up. So hard to get excited for something like this. Yeah, it was almost the level of some of these qualifiers. Almost. It was lengthwise. Mm -hmm. Uh, They aired the tribute video for the Iron Sheik that ran on SmackDown. Chad Gable against Eric. They had even less time than the women. Uh, Gable hits a diving headbutt, and then Valhalla runs around the ring, and Maxine catches her with an arm drag, and that leads to a sunset flip out of the corner. Gable wins in a minute 50, uh, but the story of this was uh, Maxine has learned an arm drag. Yeah. So listen, it's it's one thing when you're like listening to John Pollock like recap these and tell us like how long the matches were. If you're watching live, you got to sit through commercial breaks, you got to sit through entrances, you got to sit through video packages for 
90 seconds of professional wrestling content you know we're talking 90 seconds of i wouldn't even call it substance because like it's like the wrestling is just even there's no match you could possibly get into like there are no sort of stakes involved it's just like it's bad wrestling tv and and we had like for a lot of raws i feel like i i've I've come out of enjoying but there's a stretch for much of this particular edition of raw that just felt like such a throwaway bad edition of the show this segment was Maxine delivers an arm drag, but we have to dress it up with a match around yeah. this arm drag. And exactly. that's it. it. Like it was just the, uh, the, 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 the side note, like a totally forgettable part was in the ring. It was to do an arm drag spot. Uh, a, a video aired on Rhea Ripley. Just, she's great. That was the video. And this was perplexing too. It's cause it's one thing if you're airing a video for, you know, a new NXT debut, uh, JD, McDonough, anybody <laughs> like, you know, remember, she's not on remember. the money in the bank card. So she has no opponent to build up. It's like, it wouldn't just... this have made sense to air? Like when you're doing the title presentation to just be like, Hey, like we're here to celebrate this person and we're going to get like, you know, like just kind of craft this entire segment around her. Instead it's just like, we all know who, who know we all know who Rhea Ripley is at this point. Yeah, you certainly could have done a little bit more of just show the last year of like Rhea Ripley highlights leading into this segment where you present her with the title. Then we see Finn Balor, who is providing advice to J.D. McDonough, who had been like just disappeared for a few weeks. Now he's back. So we're at least still going in this Judgment Day direction. With so him. he was supposed to have this feud with Dolph Ziggler. Remember that? What happened to that? They were he, he sent him to the hospital. Or he attacked him, remember? Yeah, I don't know if a match was ever like formally promoted, but the man's just been missing for like a month. So they're at least, you know, continuing some sort of tease with him in the, in the Judgment Day. JD kind of, you know, it fits perfectly, right? Um, but man, like they they definitely like it's not a good sign when like you you debut somebody with the promise of a particular program and then just take it away without any sort of explanation. Priest walks up as JD leaves and Balor is in a much better mood now because he's got the title match. And he asks Damian Priest, if I won the title and you won money in the bank, would you cash in on me? And Priest gives him a look and says, of course not. I would never do that to you. But you should also keep your word with me. And this goes back to Priest stating that he wanted Balor to stay in the back and then he showed up in in the match. So he tells him to uh, make this match with Seth Rollins worth it and to end this. So it's it's now this idea that there could be an issue if Finn Balor comes up short and whether it's a, a battle for the leadership of Judgment Day, like they are certainly planting the seeds between these two uh, mm. kind of money in the bank. Yeah, Judgment Day has, you know, they've like even when Edge was there, I think they've always said like there's no real leader a part of the group. They're all like supposed to be equals. But nonetheless, like I've always seen Finn Balor as sort of like the front man just kind of given his status and his tenure. Um, but you know, you see a segment like this and it's basically kind of priest telling Balor to like, you know, know your role and, and, and don't overstep your boundaries or else. So that like priest definitely comes across like the, you know, the, the guy who's telling Balor, like, you know, what to do here. Um, but it's all continuing this sort of like push pull of tension that I think they've really perfected when it comes to the bloodline. Now they're doing, you know, some version of it here with the judgment day teasing tension between the two members last week, they had Rollins and priest do a handshake after the show. And I don't think that's meant to just be, you know, a dark segment. Like you're, you're supposed to get into the direction thinking that priest might be turning baby face. Um, so we'll see how they continue to foster it tonight. It looks like they, they made up, but how will they continue to break? Because the, the wounds are still fresh. 
Rollins reacted to the match with Balor and bringing up uh, the issues with Priest and Balor. And he's going to hold an open challenge next Monday on Raw in Cleveland. And again, no mention of Braun Breaker. So we'll see whatever. They're doing something on Tuesday, but we will see. Maybe it's just going to be Braun gets a letter in the mail and replied, no. He responds to the challenge. Like what a way to bury NXT. So next week in Cleveland, we've got the open challenge. Bronson Reed against Shinsuke Nakamura and Logan Paul is back on the show, which you would think probably getting things started, you would think SummerSlam is probably his next. He's so far away, though. I mean, I, I guess they're in his hometown. Is that the reason? They're in his hometown, so maybe you could tease something. Um, no chance it, of him doing anything for Money in the Bank, you think? I just don't know what you would do with him on uh, at Money in the Bank. He's not advertised right. for it. Um, I like I know he's on a like sort of um intermittent schedule, but he if he was on a more regular schedule, he'd actually be a great choice to win money in the bank. You know? Yeah. I mean, and you do have, you know, him and Rollins have the, the WrestleMania match. Um, mm. Who who could you see as being paired with Logan Paul next for SummerSlam? Um, trying to think who the baby face options are. And we're talking raw, right? You would assume, right? Most likely. Yeah, like Ed- Edge is now on SmackDown. SmackDown, yeah. Um, Logan Paul. Mm. I'm trying to think of like a personality that like would really act well. Like I think Cody actually. Yeah, but Cody's probably accounted for at SummerSlam. At SummerSlam, you're right. But yeah. d- down the road, I'm I'm sure they will get to that at some point. And you're right, mm. that probably would work very well between maybe maybe they'll think Priest by that point as a baby face. Yeah, there's there, there's a couple of options that that you could you could go with, um, and, and probably a lot of, of of strong ideas too for him as the the follow up. Maybe KSI gets involved. Maybe that's the next tag team tag team match. Zayn Owens. Yeah. Oh, that would be is KSI Eddie? Like, can we trust him in, in a wrestling ring? Like, we're ta- looking at Logan Paul as a veteran of the team at that point. Oh yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't have too high hopes for KSI. Main event is Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn defending the tag titles against Gunther and Ludwig Kaiser. They had the advantage on Zayn early, uh, went through a pair of commercial breaks, and then things pick up as Owens gets the hot tag and hits a super kick cannonball on Gunther. Dude, Owens and uh, Gunther, really Gunther and, and any of these two, uh, it was great. And Kaiser certainly um, has, you know, fits in seamlessly with uh, th- this combination. But my God, these these four just tore it up here during the last stretch of this match. Gunther blocks a stunner and drops Owens with a boot. So Zayn is in and he gets yanked to the floor and Gunther misses with a chop hitting the post. And my God, did he put all of his <laughs> weight into this chop. There's a power bomb to Zayn into a European uppercut by Kaiser upon landing. And then Gunther hits Sami Zayn with the goddamn hardest lariat in the history of Raw. And I thought Zayn's head uh, rolled into Topeka after he took this. There's an Imperial bomb, but Owens tackles Gunther to save Zayn, and Owens gets posted on the floor. Riddle comes down, and he's being stopped by officials. So Gunther attacks Riddle, and then Owens lays out Gunther with a DDT on the ramp, and Zayn is left with Kaiser and hits the Blue Thunder bomb. And the Blue Thunderbomb gets him the victory in 18 minutes and 17 seconds. Number one, I loved that Zayn won with the Blue Thunderbomb. And establishing that 
at least against a certain tier of opponent, this yeah. will work instead of just being a great near fall spot to mm-hmm. win with the, un- you don't need the Haluva kick for every single uh, win, but I thought this match was just excellent. If, if for nothing else on this show, this is the, the match to watch on raw. Cause I'm not going to recommend anything else, but I just think that these four had a great tag match. Agreed. Yeah. I, I even felt this one maybe was a bit of a slow start. And at this point on this show, like three hours in, I wouldn't entirely blame, you know, Wichita for, for not immediately reacting. But man, after they went, the second commercial break, they, which I know that sentence right there sounds ridiculous. Two <laughs> commercial breaks from the Owens hot tag on when they're yeah. commercial free. That last segment, like it's it's a strong 10 minutes. It was like for the last segment of this show, they they transported this show over to, you know, San Juan or something like that, because this crowd was so incredibly loud. And you look at the match quality. um, It makes complete sense. It turned into an excellent match. Um, And I think the crowd completely accentuated, you know, the last, you know, five minutes or so, 10 minutes, I should say, maybe great work from all four men. Great near falls from Gunther's huge lariats on Zane. I thought Zane and Gunther had some really great chemistry. Mm -hmm. You know, Zane just like being able to sell and ragdoll for anything Gunther was giving him. That's a singles match I would love to see. Uh, Like, I, I, I don't know if they've ever wrestled together. Have they wrestled? Did they have a match recently? Zane and and Gunther? Yeah. I don't know if they've had a singles match unless unless it's happened over on on SmackDown over the last year. I would love to see just a substantial substantial match like for for an entire program. And maybe that's what what we'll get at the end of uh, all of this as well. Um, But yeah, it looks like we're getting Gunther and Riddle. That seems to be the the, the pairing um, that we're getting, right? It seems to be, and I'm wondering if we're are we going to get like Imperium, Owens, and Zayn, and then Gunther Riddle? Um, is that where you see Imperium versus like Owens and Zayn? Like they've already wrestled, they beat them, right? What, what do you see of... as Owens and Zayn's role on Money in the Bank? I'm trying to like, uh, well, the, this Gauntlet winner, right? The Gauntlet winner. Yes, who they'll get on SmackDown. Correct. Yes, we forgot about Money that. Bank, so yeah. that's that's where they go. And then, yeah, I guess Gunther and Riddle and um, Imperium are probably just, you know, in the corner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there, there you have it. Um, I didn't think this was an overly inspiring edition of Raw, but I I, I would recommend the uh, from the second commercial break onwards of that uh, tag tag match. <laughs> the, last it, it, min- the last eight minutes of this three hour show. Yeah. I mean, what right. more do you want out of a three hour show? I mean, I thought the Balor Rollins segment was worth watching. Yes. You know? Yeah. That that was that was a good segment as well. I'm probably being a little overly critical on, on some points, but uh, match wise, I wouldn't like Damian Priest and Matt Riddle. You would think for 14 minutes. I, I wouldn't say it really was. It was fine. But yeah, it, just kind of fine. Um I yeah, feel like they've had most better. I would go is fine on on that particular match, but they are now in the clear when it comes to the playoffs. So they're the, even. Um, so there, there's no more uh, sports competition until or significant sports competition until Monday Night Football comes back. And overall, like it should be said, this is one year where they held up exceptionally well against the mm. playoffs. Like I have like tracking the numbers year after year. Um, they held up very well this year that 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 should be said that they did not get the erosion that we have seen in years past where you're talking like all time lows or flirting with that with that level of number. Um, so 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 would logic tell you that you should be expecting like increases year over year from this? Point um, we have. Well, it's to me, the interesting time will come uh, August, September, where we're fully a year removed from like the Paul Levesque transfer year where we were starting to see i mean we were already seeing the the turnaround in the vince era after wrestlemania last year and 
you know, you could, you could certainly dive into the numbers more, but like when you're talking like less homes you're available in Mm -hmm. and you're displaying increases, that's a very positive sign. USA going down. And And USA going down. And it's at a time when it means more than ever. Like it'd be one thing if they were up year over year two years ago, but you're in your contract year and you're showing this level of um, increase. NXT has ranked in the top five the last two weeks. And it's like tomorrow, you've got Baron Corbin in a match, Mustafa Ali in a match, a Seth Rollins angle. The unification is going to mean you're probably going to get Rousey and Baszler now popping up in NXT occasionally. So Mm -hmm. it's, and the NXT deal is up in the fall. So that is kind of front of mind as, as well. So overall they're, they're in good shape television wise. And with AEW like dynamite, they did a phenomenal number last Wednesday Um, rampage, the opposite and collision. It's to be determined. Like that is, that is going to be the big number to look at. But to me, it's, it's show two and three. I'm curious to see what, what does collision stabilize at beyond this week, which I think everyone expects it's going to be a big start on Saturday night. Well, they do have the benefit of having a pay-per-view like wrapping around the the second and third editions of collision. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's more way that I'm surprised that that Toronto show, like you would think all the new Japan talent is going to be in Mm -hmm. and you could probably book a pretty fun collision that night before that you're going to get some like great wrestling, some neat matches. And, but what are you surprised by? That they haven't announced? I'm surprised that they're at like 1,900 tickets for Toronto. Uh, Okay. Like I thought, I I, I never thought they would sell out, but I thought that would be easily good for seven, 8,000. So I think it's fair logic. I don't know how many people are jumping to that conclusion that, okay, like night before uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I'm going to see New Japan. uh, Oh, sorry. Night before Forbidden Door, I'm going to see great matches from New Japan stars because that's not a guarantee. Um, I also think a lot of people would have already purchased tickets to Forbidden Door. They might have purchased tickets to Hamilton, uh, the the Dynamite in Hamilton. We're also yeah. talking about some pretty no, high obvi- ticket prices. Obviously, too. that's a huge reason is that people have like probably spent a lot of money on tickets to Forbidden Door, or if you're in Hamilton, like you've you've gone, you've got your Dynamite tickets, and because the Wednesday, like they they have a fine number for Hamilton. It's not crazy, but it's it's fine, and th- like that Hamilton show, like you're talking about people that conceivably could have could see three AEW shows before that fourth hamilton uh event that yeah. week alone mm-hmm. and i guess this it's similar for toronto that i'm getting my fill sunday night with four to five hours of an incredible pay-per-view and i'm not giving up a saturday night as well i just i just thought the the ceiling w- or the floor would be a lot um it wouldn't be 1900 i just figured that there would still be a rabid enough audience that would be and travelers too we're not even talking about toronto specific yeah that that show should have moved more just because of the weekend and the assumption that you're going to get some of the new Japan talent. You're going to likely get punk. You're and you're going to get a great show. Most likely like it's people probably aren't spending upwards of like, you know, $110 like for a ticket based off of, of an assumption. You know, I, I think we wait till this Saturday just to see what they announce for the week after. And cause I would expect a good amount of tickets to possibly move again, maybe provided that, tickets are a bit lowered in price as well but yeah we'll see we'll see what they announce and we'll see how they push it last question just on on the collision front who do you see on the broadcast team do you think it's all going to be internal aew do you see them going with a a creative uh, voice that is inserted there yeah i i hope for excalibur's sake that this guy is not having to be sent to an like 
I I, I feel like you want to have maybe a, like a distinct team just for travel for the for the poor guy you know like i mean i don't i don't know exactly like what what his duties are outside of like the 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 taping day like for all we know he's doing every single show that AEW does anyway so what's what's another 2 hours i mean you're taking dark off their plate so just though but in terms of like presentation in terms of like you know wanting to make one show feel different from another i would go with somebody else two man um, team i i think it's it's more likely that you get a three man team i i think jr you know ends up um on, on that team at least to start um I think I think Vita Scott is somebody that I would love to see, you know. Uh I I I think she she's been great in any sort of like um, you know, um indie indie wrestling I've I've heard her in. Uh it's a female voice on the commentary team. Oh, she, she's ready. It, it, yeah. If any national company gave her the call, she would be ready. Um it was when Rampage started, I was really hoping that like Lenny Leonard would be in, in sort of that discussion as well, because he's another one that I think you could throw in there instantly. And I mean, would be. Could you see Ian Riccoboni? Yes. I would say Ian Riccoboni could be a very strong um, because if Jim Ross is on the show, I don't see Jim Ross being the lead doing the play by play. I could see him being paired with a Riccoboni and maybe a third. Jake and Brian are both uh, reminding us about Nigel McGuinness as well. Yeah, yeah, he would be in the mix as well there, um, potentially. I guess I guess it's how much you do you want to keep like the the ROH branding separate. And right. I could see one of those voices. You put both of them, but it, it's an interesting question. But at this it. point, what is ROH? You know, like it's it's your online brand, and if you have your best, like if you have your A team, and even if you have like you know, I don't even want to call them your B team because you have another A team within your system just of those names alone. You push them to the biggest stage possible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would not be. And that goes for talent, too. I think like having an Eddie Kingston or a Shibata just exclusive to ROH. I just don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense when you you need all like just being able to promote like a Shibata coming to Hamilton. Like, does that move up some tickets? Maybe. He certainly is not as necessary for Universal Studios as his exclusive uh, venue to perform in. Mm-hmm. All right. We have uh, one piece of feedback here before we, we actually have a, a super chat to get to. First of all, let's do let's that. go to uh, this one coming from, to us from Plethora, who sends five dollars. Thank you for the super chat. Plethora, who says, do you think moving NXT to FX? So WWE is in business with NBCU, Fox and Disney is the ideal scenario for WWE and Nick Khan. So uh, Brandon Thurston did uh, run the numbers and FX in prime time averages about, I want to say 427,000 viewers, give or take. So NXT is above that. They, it's not a, a gigantic increase over that, but it's, it's something. Um, would an FX necessarily be looking at the third property if they're interested? I, I don't know about that. It's, I, like certainly when you're comparing to Raw and SmackDown, the brand that's going to have the least amount of suitors is going to be NXT that I just see NXT as a, a package, an add on to like, we, we go after raw and it comes with NXT. That is sort of how I would imagine them approaching it because I just don't know if NXT is something as a standalone product that an FX would be introducing pro wrestling to their schedule and and going after it you can't you can't say no chance of that happening but i would is there is there considerable benefit to having a show on every sort of major network um even if we're just talking cable like what exactly would the benefit be 
I mean, it, it's, it spreads your, your, your footprint. Like that's, it's the whole NFL model of like, we have it across all of these networks and we're going to, and they're on broadcast as well. Like that is their way to combat cable erosion is just, you stay on broadcast. It's, it's also the most valuable television property out there. But I, I, I certainly think like there is that argument that you are going to have three companies that you're in business with that are going to compete with one another. When these deals come through, it's like you, you know, firsthand what this product has brought to you. Do we want more wrestling? Like that's what we're talking about with NBC universal. Would they find it advent? They know firsthand the impact of raw. Does that make SmackDown more valuable to them to bring that over as well? So I, I, totally understand that thought process of wanting to spread your programming across not just different networks, but also the different tiers that we've seen. Like they have a great component with broadcast for SmackDown cable with raw, and then your, your streaming deal with Peacock as well. All right. So thank you for the super chat. Uh, Muggin writes in and he says an okay episode highlighted by Rhea Ripley's upgraded women's title. That was the highlight of Raw was uh, her coming out. And people kind of look- go crazy for like seeing these new belts. So, yeah, she did look a lot happier than Roman Reigns when she was presented this title. Owens and Zane Gunther and Kaiser capped things off nicely. And the stuff in between was solid, which I thought was pretty unruly during the Balor Rollins segment. Finn couldn't get his point across fast enough. And his rift with Priest continued to grow. Seth issuing an open challenge in Cleveland next week has me intrigued over who will answer it. I bet it's Johnny Wrestling. That would make sense in Cleveland. Yes, it absolutely would. And, you know, plays off, you know, his... I would have had one of those videos air tonight then to keep that in the back of people's mind. They aired that vignette last week and it was just a... about his uh, his repackaging, uh, Braun will have to get his answer tomorrow. Okay, so yeah, that's a, that's a p- potential and an easy pop to put Gargano. So uh, people in the chat were suggesting Johnny Gargano as a future looking Paul opponent as well, which could be good. Yeah, I don't know if Johnny Gargano is seen at that uh, at that level, at least not now. Mm. But maybe one day. Okay, thanks everyone for joining us. We have a packed week at Post Wrestling. Again, the schedule is up on the site Tuesday night. Check out. Up next with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman selling out venues worldwide. Yes, congrats. Congrats to Poison Rana and Grapple for selling out their location for All In It, their pre-show ahead of All In in London. Uh, I believe Davey has said if you are looking to get in, you should message Davey and he'll see what he could do. No guarantees, of course. Just hit him up on the the lowdown with lowdown Davey P. (laughs) They they call him lowdown Davey P for for a reason. get you in. Uh, yeah, so congratulations to them. They'll be live 10.15 Eastern Tuesday night after NXT and Seth Rollins' big answer to Braun Breaker's challenge. And then Wednesday, big day at Post Wrestling, myself and Brandon Thurston joined by Tony Khan, 1 p.m. Eastern here on the Post YouTube channel. That will be on the Post Wrestling and WrestleNomics feeds. And then Wednesday night, rewind to Dynamite at 10, immediately followed by the double shot at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So you can jump on board postwrestlingcafe.com and video.postwrestling.com. So thanks to everybody for tuning in and we will speak with you later this week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.